0: Welcome to The Application, a podcast focused on actionable takeaways to help you level up your marketing and enrollment management game. I'm your host, Dr. Allison Tercio, Assistant Vice President of Enrollment and Marketing at Siena College. Join me every Tuesday for discussions with some of the best minds in higher ed marketing and enrollment management. The application is part of the Enrollify Network a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher ed professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at enrollify.org or check out some of my personal faves linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI powered all-in-one student engagement platform. Helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com. Welcome to the final episode of the season. You might be thinking, why are we talking about financial aid and the FAFSA on a marketing podcast? Well, you're about to find out in this special crossover episode with my friend and fellow Enrollify podcast host, Jeremy Tears. Welcome, Jeremy.
1: Thanks for having me, Allison.
0: So are you excited to explore the role of marketing teams in navigating this FAFSA delay? 100%,
1: right? Because ultimately, life becomes a lot easier, as you know, on the campuses where enrollment marketing, marketing, financial aid, and admissions are constantly talking to each other.
0: Yeah, so we're going to frame our chat in sort of three parts today. Um, Three jobs, if you will, for marketers. Three things we want you all thinking about. And the first is really about fully understanding what's going on with the FAFSA and the challenge it's created. Second, we're gonna talk about how marketers can support their colleagues in financial aid. And finally, we're gonna talk about yield and communicating and connecting with empathy, especially with prospective families. So let's start with number one, understanding the challenge. Jeremy, can you describe the main challenges that the FAFSA delays have created for students and institutions?
1: So for students and families, Allison, it's taken an already confusing, and I would argue complicated, financial aid process, and it's just added more layers of frustration and anxiety. I think students, you've seen the same stories and articles I'm sure I have in families, everything from I can't get into the FAFSA to wait, I have to create a second login now for my parents to, oh, we went to hit a button and it said error message. Again, all of which is out of a school's control, but yet I would argue still impacts a school in the grand scheme of things. It just it leads to families and students not being in uh, a type of mood where they're excited to talk about a topic that's already not fun and you know easy to talk about and then on the college side it's leaders dealing with staff who are already if we're being honest overworked underpaid exhausted in some cases it's just it's finding how do i stay positive now in my day to day How do I not get caught up with things that I can't control? And I've been talking a lot to leaders about just being more intentional in terms of reaching out to their staff and trying to just gauge, how are you feeling? Not just about financial aid, just everything, right? Because it's one more layer. And so leadership should hopefully be doing those things anyways, Allison. But I'm like, do even more of it this year? Because now you're adding again, that much more pivoting amongst your team And I would argue because the FAFSA is such an important indicator and a data point for so many teams, right? It's how do we find those alternate indicators now to help us predict yield or to help us figure out if we're advising our admissions team, if we're advising our marketers, if we're advising financial aid in terms of how we ultimately prioritize our outreach and spend our time.
0: Yeah, and I want to come back to this idea of yield a little bit later, because we posted on LinkedIn that we were going to be talking about this. And we asked people, what do you want us to address? What questions do you have? And one of them was, what should we be doing about yield in the meantime? But before we get there, let's just talk about how have these delays affected the usual timeline and process for financial aid and deciding where to go to college. So I'll give everyone a from a Siena perspective, we normally go out with financial aid packages before Thanksgiving. That's when we start telling people what their costs will be to attend at Siena. Now it's looking like that won't be able to happen until later part of March. So we're talking seven months, six, seven months later than families are normally getting this information, having sort of this full picture of what it will mean to choose a particular college. So what more can you say about how it affects that timeline in the process?
1: So I went back this morning, Allison, and updated all of our data that we have on when students make decisions. And mm. we've partnered with you all at Siena before. So you probably remember some of the survey research we do, but we literally asked the month that students made their college decision once they've actually done that, and they're either now going to be an incoming first-year student or they're a current first-year student. And over the last two years, when I do all of the cumulative data, Allison, about 25 to 30% to your point of students were making their college decision prior to Christmas because they had those yep. financial aid packages yep. from a lot of schools, right? Around Thanksgiving or at worst, right? By the Christmas holiday. Then about another 12 to 15% when I add up the months of January and February, if I total them together, that's about another 12 to 15% of students, whether they go to a public, a flagship, a small private, in-state, out-of-state. We partner with all of those types of schools throughout the year. So Normally, a lot of colleges would be sitting here on February 15th going, oh, we've got like a third of our class kind of already figured out. And every school I've talked to, literally every school other than about a handful, are at best right now flat year over year in deposits. Most are down. And the ones who are slightly up are slightly up mainly because they have more athletic commitments. Yeah. It's not non-athletes students. So it's ultimately prolonging this decision for some students you have a bunch of students, I'm sure Sienna's no different than every other school who are just waiting to get your financial aid package. You're number one on their list. And if it comes in even close to what they think it's going to be done, but they still want to see it before they're yeah. confident enough to say, all right, I'm ready to pull the trigger and make that decision. And so you're going to have a lot of financial aid offices and a lot of colleges under pressure to really finalize those financial aid packages a lot faster and it's really messed with a lot of the, we'll call it timelines for things like admitted student events and decision deadlines, which if we're being honest, May one's a great indicator for colleges. That means nothing to the majority of students, right? They'll decide when they're ready, but it's got colleges thinking, what do we have to adjust at least with what we're promoting when it comes to things like admitted student events, decision deadlines, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and for sure, it's going to be a condensed timeline. No matter what, we know that right now, that the operational piece of getting that data from the Department of Education into the college systems to be able to turn around a financial aid package and then give people enough time to ask questions that they may have about the financial aid package, that's all going to be condensed. And that means a lot of extra pressure on the financial aid team. They used to be able to have these discussions over months, and now it's going to be over weeks, maybe days. So let, let's talk about job number two, because we really need to be able to help our colleagues in financial aid. For a second, we got to put our job as marketers aside in a way, and how can we support the work? Or how can our marketing efforts support the work of the financial aid office during that time?
1: Well, hopefully. Most schools are doing what I know, for example, you all have been doing at Siena, which is meeting on a weekly or worse bi-weekly basis when it comes to those key stakeholders, right? Admissions, financial aid, and enrollment marketing. And so if that's been happening, what I hope most schools can do or are doing is all right, what do we need to do when it comes to adjusting the way we've been communicating? Meaning yield has not stopped because the FAFSA is delayed six or seven months. And if it has for you. You need to pause and figure out how to get started again, because students still need to be receiving messaging that has nothing to do with financial aid. Yes, they need that, but they also need reasons as to why they should keep paying attention to your school and what your value proposition is and all of the different reasons why when they get that financial aid package, it's a smarter decision to choose your school. So assuming you have all of that type messaging that is going out on a regular basis I think it's very important to keep students and families engaged with what the current FAFSA situation is in plain language that they can understand. Here's what we know from the Department of Ed. Here's what we're planning on doing once we get the information we need as it pertains to getting you your financial aid package. Then it's continuing to find ways to educate students and families on how, for example, financial aid works. Like if marketing could take a lot of that, for example... Off of financial aid's plate right now, which I would argue they 100% can, if people are working in collaborative spaces together, that will allow financial aid to be focused on getting everything where it needs to be systems-wise, et cetera. So when they get those ICERS and information from the federal government, they can hopefully turn those financial aid packages around really quick. A couple other things real quick, Allison, I've seen other schools do. Having, for example, an additional FAQ page knowing that financial aid's probably getting a bunch of phone calls right now at your school. Well, why not create comms to address those same things and then promote to students and families? It's not that you can't call us, but here's all of the big questions we've been getting. So we put them all in one easy place for you to go look at whenever you feel like it. Those types of messages and just having consistent messaging that also helps students focus on things outside of just the financial aid part of this process, which even though it's important, it's only one part, would be super helpful at building trust. And that trust will make it so much easier for financial aid when they do get financial aid packages out the door to then be able to have some effective family or you know one-on-one type conversations because the admissions team, because the enrollment marketing team has helped to build that trust and we'll call it that loyalty yep. with all the other messaging, right?
0: Yeah, and that's exactly why job number one is understanding what's going on, because we have a job to do in terms of advising families about what's going on and what they can do in the meantime. Also, I I love your ideas about being very proactive with the messaging and being the people, to go-to, establishing your institution as a place they can go to and trust for information. I also think we can be forming triage centers If the admissions team and the marketing team can get financial aid level knowledge to a certain depth level, it doesn't need to be everything, but how many of those calls can be handled by someone other than the financial aid team or those emails by someone other than the financial aid team so that we're reserving the conversations that really need that touch and really need that depth of information for the financial aid team. So starting to think proactively about when this happens, when families actually can get financial aid packages, how are we setting up that financial aid team for success? And our team as a whole for success to be able to service families in the way they need to be serviced.
1: 100%, caring more is a competitive advantage, communicating faster and clearer is also a competitive advantage. And if you're able to do those things, you're going to have a lot of students and families who then feel that much closer to wanting to make that decision once they have the information they need from you. You know, Real quick back to yield, which you know I, I'd love to unpack with you in a bunch of different ways. Don't, whatever you do if you're listening to this, stop your recruiting messages or think, well, we just need to pause some of this stuff we send parents or we send this. No, you need to send all of it now. And I would argue if you could still find ways, and this is what a lot of schools have been doing, To take the load off of financial aid and help the admission staff get additional conversations with your admitted pool and the families of those students, you can almost have financial aid planning type conversations now that will help them better be prepared for that actual package that they're going to look at. Because what you and I know, Allison, and most families just don't comprehend if they've never been through this process is they all don't look the same. It's not just different no. logos. It's totally different language. It's a different Unfortunately, format. Some yeah. schools make you do math, which is a terrible idea, by the way. Don't ever make families and students do math. Do not send a worksheet and expect that. I think sometimes
0: I think sometimes they do that by design, Jeremy. I'll put that politely.
1: <laughs> well, it's not a good idea because if it doesn't come out the way they want, especially if it ends up being higher, obviously it's one more back to you know reason for them to be frustrated and annoyed at you. But But it's just understanding you can still do things that will affect yield today. Like yield hasn't been having to be paused. It's just saying, well, we have to try to, to your point, not only empathize, but find ways to engage these students and families so they feel like Siena or whatever school it might be cares more about their students and has better prepared them for what to expect and has better prepared them to make a decision once they have all that information.
0: Hey, it's Allison from the Application Podcast. Exciting news. I'll be at the Engage Summit in Raleigh on June 25th and 26th, and I'd love to meet you there. Hosted by Element 451, the Engage Summit is where AI meets higher ed. Sessions will focus on cutting-edge AI applications that are reshaping student outreach, enhancing staff productivity, and offering deep insights into ROI. This is not your typical conference. Trust me, I went last year and it was amazing. Think of it as a strategic summit where you'll learn from the best about leveraging AI and digital strategies in higher ed marketing. Imagine two days filled with hands on sessions, real success stories, and the chance to network with top minds in the field. You're gonna leave with practical, transformative takeaways as you learn how AI fosters a more personalized, efficient approach from recruitment all the way through student success. Oh, and the best part, the Engage Summit is incredibly affordable. Tickets are just $150 a person, but wait, it gets better. Use the discount code Enrollify50 at checkout and you can register for just $99. This early bird pricing lasts until March 31st. So join me and many of my fellow Enrollify network creators at the Engage Summit this coming June Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. We can't wait to see you then. Well, let's talk about yield. Let's talk about, so job number three is yield and communication. So let's talk about that because I agree completely, Jeremy. I think, so cost is a huge piece of the puzzle when making a college decision. Undeniable. I know your research that you do every year shows that. So we know that's a huge piece of the puzzle, but can we help families get all of those other pieces in place, all of those other questions answered, a really good understanding of the things that matter most to them outside of cost in the meantime, so that when they get the financial aid package, it's the last piece to the puzzle. And all it is is completing the picture. It's perhaps not taking the picture over, right? So so what are some ways, what should we do be doing about YIELD in the meantime so that we can help them with those puzzle pieces?
1: So there are a lot of things, Allison, but I would tell you the number one thing colleges need to do more of for the most part is separate messaging to parents that feels personal, that tries to engage and better understand how is this affecting them? How are they feeling not just about financial aid and the whole cost of college and like paying for college wherever their child wants to go, but how are you uncovering their priorities, their concerns, and trying to figure out what do they think would make any college, let alone your school, worth the investment that they're going to have to make as a family? All of that should be happening now. So to the point you just made earlier, that makes them feel so much better when they get the financial aid package because now... It's either, oh, yep, that's about what we thought it was going to be, or that's even less, we feel great about X school, we're ready to just make a decision because we've got all this other stuff, quote unquote, out of the way, or it's already been discussion points amongst either the family and or the family with people, obviously, at the institution. And so connecting with parents, I see way too many schools, Alison, seeing. <laughs> <laughs> on everything.
0: Oh my goodness, no, it's okay, it's 2024. So there's two things I'm gonna say, it's 2024. We need to be talking to parents individually, separately from the student, and we too, we need to not be afraid to talk about financial aid, even if we're the marketers. So those are my two things.
1: hundred <laughs> percent, and you're all, you understand this, you know, which is one of the reasons that I love you so much and the work you do there, Allison. you're all on the same team. Yeah. Like, no student looks and goes, Well, that was the marketing team at this school. Oh, that was the admissions team. (laughs) You're all on the same team. And when one of you does well, it helps all of you. And when one of you screws up, it affects the other people too, even if they didn't screw up. And so it's just understanding that in addition to creating, for example, separate parent communications, how are you, for example, utilizing all of these different channels Because it shouldn't just be nothing but emails. It should also be text messages. It should also be phone calls. It should also be financial aid webinars if you are willing to do those. Those can be 100% helpful. All of those things could help answer a lot of these questions that they're ultimately going to have that don't need to be, for example, wait till two months from now when I have my financial aid package to get that answered. Because the longer you wait, you're going to be competing with more colleges for that student and family's time, and now you have a whole bunch of things that you can't control versus right now, I promise you, if you would especially prioritize parents, they would happily talk to you right now because most colleges aren't, A, prioritizing them, B, let alone asking what their opinion is or what questions do they have related to financial aid, cost, paying for college or anything else about your institution, right?
0: Yeah, and I would add... If that work gets done and we can help people, maybe they don't need more time because the financial aid package is that last piece of the puzzle. They don't need to then spend several more weeks figuring out what their right decision is, right? Because they've done all of the other work. They have a good understanding of where they are. Now, that's not me saying we shouldn't be flexible with families. Of course, we should be flexible with them. But I feel like our industry went right to, we just got to move all the deadlines, And where I went right to is we just need to help the families. And so I think we had a very institutional centered response to the FAFSA delays because we went right to deadline and changing the deadline, which I know was to serve the families. Like we're trying to give the families more time. But is that what the families need the most? Because I actually think help and information is what families need the most in this moment.
1: Correct. And if you need proof of that, again, look at all the data we've been discussing, which is it's not like 98% of students every year wait until the last two weeks before May 1. Do a bunch of students? Of course they do. Yeah, but But not everybody. You have students deciding in November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, and that's going to continue because it's not your timeline as a college. You don't have enough leverage. 99.7% of schools listening to this podcast don't have leverage enough to say, decide by May 1. You'll take that student in June. You'll take that student in July. You'll take that student in August. You know it. I know it. I understand and want you to be flexible 100%. But to Allison's point, it's trying to ask direct questions, for example, of the student and the parent. What else do they have left to do, for example, once they get those financial aid packages? Is it pretty much, we just have to look at them and like we'll have a decision within 48 hours or 24 hours? Or is it, we've actually been waiting and we haven't gone to any admitted student day events and we're thinking we're going to do those after? And now maybe you have a talking point as to why they shouldn't, for example, wait and how getting that out of the way now is going to make it a less stressful decision and have less things to do, obviously, later in the process as your senior year is winding down. And so it's just understanding that if you could engage students and families more. So back to what else can colleges do? It's make their messaging more engaging, not just for parents, but for students. I mean, you and I talk all the time. We've presented on this at conferences together. Asking direct questions as a call to action is never a bad thing. You can have the transactional asks. They're important. I'm not telling you don't have them, but it has to be more of a balance. And you have an opportunity, if you're doing it right, to get students to actually engage and tell you what their biggest concern is about their school, when they plan to make a decision, how they plan to make a decision. Who's going to help them with this decision? What they still want to know or need to know about your school for them to feel good, like that's where I want to go. All of those conversations could be happening now, which then to your point will allow more students to say, I don't need more than a day or two. Once I see these financial aid packages, I'm ready to make a decision. But students and families don't know. And we talk about fear, right? The number one fear, or at worst, it's 1B every time we do a survey is students and families are scared of making the wrong decision. Well, how can you talk about them now? How can you create content right now, videos, right? messaging that has quotes from your current students who went through this process before, even if they didn't have a FAFSA delay, they ultimately were able to come to a decision. How did that happen? What tips can you give students and families now, not just yourself, but from a current student, current parent point of view, that again, are just going to make these students and families feel like. Well, you're more helpful than all these other schools. You seem to care more. You're actually giving me relevant information I care about. All of those things right now and infusing empathy in all of them, right? I hope that's a given for all of us in 2024, but I know (laughs) it's not. So I'm going to say it. We'll add
0: that on to the musts for 2024. Here's the third one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And empathy, to be clear, when I say empathize, I just mean, understand, like put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. Tell them, I get it. You know what? I'd be frustrated if I was in your position too. It's okay to say that as a person working at a college. Just recognize the situation for what it is, right? But ultimately, if you ask direct questions, if you do things, like you're empathizing because you're trying to learn more about the student and do all of this in a way that benefits them more than it does necessarily benefit your institution, which I would argue if you do it right, you benefit them. And a lot of times it ends up benefiting your institution in the end.
0: I want to key in what you just said, because you should not be afraid to not talk about your institution right now. You'll get there. But if you're vomiting information about your institution, that's not what Jeremy is advising. Jeremy's saying, find out what matters to the family. Find out where they are. You know, One of my favorite things to do is find out what their important decision factors are outside of cost. What matters to you? What do you really, really want to have as a piece of your college experience? And then I don't just, even at that point, say the student tells me, well, I really want pre-law. That's my thing. That's my jam, pre-law. I want to go to law school. I don't then start spouting everything that's great about Sienna's pre-law program. I then have a conversation about you know what? Would you like some advice on what to look for in pre-law programs so that you can help yourself make the right decision for you? What are the things you should be asking colleges and looking for? That's the conversation that we have. We don't go right into institutional, everything I want to say that's special about Siena. By posing those questions, you then get to have a really natural and authentic conversation about that Specific topic related to your school. So I hope that makes sense to everybody. We're not saying send more emails out about your school. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is send more emails out that help open up a relationship.
1: Correct. And again, also address to Allison's point, if you'd already have this as part of your messaging and your Comflow, things you know they're dealing with right now. Again, financial aid aside. Most students and families have no clue if they haven't been through this process, how they're supposed to go about making a decision and why they should go to an admitted student day event, especially if they've already visited campus or why they should go out of state if they really like this school, even though it's the farthest away from home, but they've got similar options close to home. It's just understanding you have these students. And to Allison's point, if you can ask them questions, like we talked about earlier, you'll get some of that information. You can share some of this. But ultimately, at the end of the day, so much of this is just about sharing and helping as it relates to, again, not specifically your school, but just wherever this student and family is at in the process. And then as a byproduct of that, inevitably what ends up happening is they ask more questions about some aspect of your school, or they go to your website, or they go to your social media and Insta page or whatever it is. Ultimately, that can happen more organically to where... To Allison's point earlier, it doesn't feel like you're vomiting information.
0: All right. So what's the first thing someone listening right now should do as soon as they finish the podcast episode? What's the first thing they need so to do? So are
1: they a marketer? Are they admission staff? Are they financial aid staff? Because to me Let's
0: do, uh, all right, let's give one for each. If you're the marketer, what are you gonna do?
1: So if you're the marketer right now, I'm looking at all of my Com flow and I'm trying to figure out to your point, are we just vomiting information? Or are we finding ways to help alleviate some of the stress for our admissions and financial aid staff to help create some of these conversations for them so they don't have to go and do all of this work on their own, knowing that, again, that benefits all of us? If I'm the financial aid staff member, it's making sure I'm 100% understanding of the messaging that marketing is about to put out understanding what admissions counselors are hearing as they're talking with students and families so that I can then prepare my staff, if I'm a financial aid leader, for the types of conversations they may need to have when we start putting out financial aid. Or, hey, we're going to do this differently this year because of the changes. So make sure your staff, again, back to cross-training, understands, for example, if you're financial aid talking to admissions. And then if I'm on the admission side, it's just understanding I mean, this is what I get from admissions counselors all the time, Allison. Where do I fill in the blanks? OK, so like I know marketing sends some of this and I know financial aid's doing this. What do I do? Well, you hopefully take some of the conversations they cr- help create for you and build on them. But even if you don't do that, you take the data that you have and you try to figure out who have I not talked to? Which set of parents have I not talked to in my admitted pool? Can I reach out knowing I know what marketing send, knowing I know what financial aid is hopefully doing and figure out where does it not feel completely disjointed? Then if I reach out on my own to one or more students and families and try to, again, have some of these conversations that we've been talking about on this episode.
0: The big key takeaway is if you're not already working as one team, you've got to get working as one team. You've got to get synergy between the marketing admissions and financial aid teams. If not, then when? So in 2024, (laughs) you need to be working as one team. You need to not be scared of financial aid information, even if you're not the financial aid counselor. You've got to be talking to parents and, and you've got to be leading with empathy, right?
1: 110%. And then I would argue, hopefully you're also taking time to celebrate the positive things as a collective unit that are happening along the way. Because I don't see enough of that either, Allison. I see people waiting until the end of the year, which is a great time to celebrate too in a lot of cases. But there are other things along the way that if I'm a leader listening to this, whether it's in admissions, financial aid, marketing, or quite honestly, on any other campus on a college right now, I'm making sure that I understand how my staff is doing and i figure out what do they need from me or what do they need more of or less of from me to help them for example have those type of conversations feel better prepared to answer these types of questions feel better prepared for any type of situation they might encounter in the coming days and weeks because of these changes to the financial aid processes here
0: all right that's all we have for today Special thanks to Jeremy for joining this episode. I highly recommend you all check out his podcast, Mission and Missions, which is also part of the Enrollify podcast network, and subscribe to his newsletter at dantudor.com. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask you a favor? Subscribe to it and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you next season. The application is part of the Enrollify podcast network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed tech shows that are jam-packed stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea, And they feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Jamie Hunt, Seth O'Dell, Day Kibbles, Jeremy Tears, and so many other of your favorite higher ed leaders. And Rollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.